Welcome back to the Josh the Collins podcast. This podcast is episode number seven, uh, where we've got Too Much Peso, who's a rapper from Cincinnati based out of Los Angeles. We talk about music, we talk about boxing, we talk about him growing up in Cincinnati, we talk about life in general, a lot of really good information, and a lot of really cool information if you're trying to get like an insight into who Too Much Peso is. He definitely opens up quite a bit about his life and about what goes into making his music, so stay tuned for the rest of the episode. And don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, give ratings, do whatever you have to do to make sure that you can keep these episodes coming up on your phone because they come out every Monday and Friday. So if you're on your way to work, doing dishes, folding laundry, you can listen to this podcast. Lots of new episodes coming out. But stay tuned for this episode with Too Much Peso. And thanks for checking in. So I just I just saw your cat on there a second ago when you pulled him across the screen. Yeah, I'm a, I brought him up here just to, um, I brought his food up here so he can maybe chill with us. Yeah. Not try to run off on me. <laughs> How old is it? He's two months old. Man, that thing is big for being two months old, it looks like. You want to know what's crazy? I've been taking a lot of pictures with him, and he looks way bigger on camera than he actually does in person. Yeah, I want to I say on camera, he that. looked like he was a full-grown cat, for real. Yeah, he looks, he looks tiny. He's, really, he's super tiny, like super tiny, to the point where like, even when he does like crazy stuff or bites, I can't, I can't even flick him because I don't want to like break his bone or something. You know, I just got to just tell him no. and ta- I tap his nose, like, you know what I'm saying? He hates that and spray him with water. Yeah. Cats are kind of interesting because they're kind of like people don't realize that they're literally lions that are just really small, you know, uh-huh. like they're one of the most deadly animals on Earth, but they're just so small that they can't really they I mean, you they can't. can't do anything to us. So they, they're so individualistic, man. They go do what they want when they want. They don't listen to anybody. I, that's what I like cats. for. That's, though. that's I read. I read an article yesterday. And they said that same exact thing, like, verbatim. Like, they're like, you know, miniature cats. Like, they said if they were the size of lions, they probably would kill us. Like, you know, but because they're so small, you know, they can't. And I was just laughing. Like, that's so true. Like, probably yeah, is. And you never had a cat before, right? This is your first one? <laughs> never. I remember one time, oh, man, I had to be um, around, like, five or six. And it was, like, a movie scene. I, it was rain and thunderstorm. And I just heard this sound. And I ran outside. And I found this baby kitten. And I went and I rescued him. He was just so cute. I named her Catherine. I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but it was Catherine. And then my parents, they made me give it to the SPCA because I had a little puppy dog and he was already mean. And they were like, nah, you got to take this cat, give him up. Like, <laughs> But yeah. that was my first cat. But this is my first cat, you know, since since that tragic moment. So what made you go with the Sphinx? I know you told you were telling me earlier that your, uh, your uncle breeds them, right? Yeah, my uncle. So um, I lived in Houston 2018 for about a year. And um, he was breeding them like the whole time I was down there, and basically opportunity came, and uh, he was like, "Yo, like Neff, um, you know, I got these cats, so if you want one, you know, what I'm saying, go ahead and hurry up and send me this deposit." And I was like, "Dang, I thought about it." And I was like, "You know what? I might as well like, you know, cause I liked them. They were so like, cause you know, you you see cats like every day, like the way they just played and stuff like that. It reminded me of like a dog, you know? Okay. And they were really smart, so I felt like it would be kind of like a fun thing to do." You know what I'm saying? On top of that, maybe breed him, but I haven't decided if I'm a breed. Um, his name is Bubba's. Bubba's. Okay, so you you nailed down a name, huh? Yeah, I named him Bubba's. My dad tried to name him Billy, and I acted like I was just gonna go with it. But as soon as I got back to LA, I'm like, your name is Bubba's now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I get another dog, maybe I'll name him like a super, like maybe I'll name him something like Tyler or something real funny like Tyler. that. <laughs> <laughs> that Tyler, <way>. come here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People will be talking about Tyler like it's a person or something like that. That'd be pretty funny. Right. Like, but, oh, I got to go home and um, give Tyler a bath. Like, is that your son? 
Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Man, that, you get an excuse to like go home and do stuff now too. Like That's my favorite thing about animals because I don't like people as much as I like animals, you know? So if I'm around mm-hmm. some people, I don't want to be around them anymore. It's like, hey, I got to go home. I got a dog. Easy way to uh-huh. dip out real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the story of my life. Even if, because I, you know, because L.A., you know, it's like kind of nothing to do, honestly, you know. You mean because but, of Corona or just in general? Well, because of Corona mainly. I mean, I go to the studio a lot, you know. That doesn't count. But, like, um, I'm talking about, like, you know, the fun stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't even a big club person, but just going around and interacting, you know what I'm saying? It's so frowned upon even, you know, the moment you're around in a, you know, you, you went, you go out and you're in a group of like 10 people, you start to feel uncomfortable. Like, should I be doing this? You know? Yeah. So it is. That's kind of why it's boring just because like, I mean, cause you can always go hike and stuff like that. But I remember like when I first started coming to LA in like 2016, 2017, you know, it was just the experience is just completely, totally different for me now when I'm actually living in Los Angeles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's one thing to visit California. It's a totally other thing to live there. And you came from, uh, you were born, raised, and you lived in Cincinnati until just a couple years ago, right? Yeah, well, yeah, because first it was Houston. Mm-hmm. Basically, 2018 was kind of like the start of like me leaving like, you know, my city like for the first time pretty much, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To live, because... I, I travel because, um, you know, when I was a kid, I would play my violin at, like, Finley Market. Yeah, yeah, that's where me, I met you, actually. Right, right, right. So that's that made me, like, it put me in, um, um, it made me financially independent at a young age. So I got to do stuff like go to take trips to New York, you know, at, um, you know, like 15 or 16, just because I saved up money and got to experience that, you know, um, and it changed my outlook. It, it kind of let me know, like, you know, like one day, like it gave me like bigger, it, it made me make my dreams a little bit bigger, you know, than it was when I just only had seen Cincinnati. When I seen those big old buildings and opportunities in New York, it just made me feel like I could do more. So it made me start, you know, trying to do more. That's yeah. And Cincinnati's an interesting city because like it's, it's like one of the biggest little cities that exists, you know, like everything feels small town, even downtown with all the big buildings. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really weird. It's super small, like, because everybody kind of knows everybody. But then there's definitely smaller places. It's like small, big town vibes. It's like we kind of want to be a big city, but we just, we're just not all the way there yet. Maybe even te- technologically and as many people as we have. But yeah, yeah it's like small city, big city vibes. It's, it's kind of conservative, too. It's not like, you know, because it's not, um, I mean... There's not even any strip clubs, which doesn't really matter. You know, you can go right across the bridge, but it's like, I mean, just for like, just a city not to have any strip clubs is kind of probably, you know, just the mindset of the city. Yeah, I know what you mean. And in in Cincinnati, like, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff they're doing in Cincinnati right now. Like, all the gentrification they're doing down there, like, I mean, some people like it. I I feel like it's a bad vibe. I feel like it's something that, Mm -hmm. you know, like when you put a boutique right in the middle of like a downtown area where a lot of people are from and all of a sudden the the rent skyrockets a thousand dollars extra a month and people have to move out. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like it kind of kills the culture of it. Yeah, because I have bittersweet feelings about it because, um, you know, literally right where they they put the new soccer stadium um, is where I grew up as a kid, you know. So I grew up like when I was, you know, young, young, I, you know, I was down downtown by Finley Market. Then as I grew, got a little older, I went downtown close to like the City West, um, Land Street, Lincoln Courts type deal. So that soccer stadium is literally like right there, you know what I'm saying? Right with all those experimental um, project living apartments and stuff like that. 
So I was like, I don't, I was like, man, I, I mean, cause you know, there is a lot of open space downtown. They are trying to, you know, make it a better place. But like I said, it's, um, it's kind of bittersweet cause they did knock down Taft and stuff like that too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's, vi- I remember seeing like all that stuff going on too. And like, I'm not from Cincinnati. I'm from nowhere really. But when I came to Ohio, I really liked Cincinnati more than anywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. And just seeing all the construction all the time there, man, like, wow. It, I wonder what it's going to look like in a couple of years. I feel like, honestly, it probably will look totally different. Because Cincinnati, I think we're known for, like, big potholes and, you know, the construction that just seems like it just never ends. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like the same construction has been going on for years and years. But I don't know. You just kind of got to get used to it. But, yeah, that's why I feel like um, I always kind of felt like, to a certain extent, I was a little bigger than Cincinnati you know once I kind of felt like I had like came up you know like started like I had mastered street performing in a sense of when I say master like I was no longer nervous I can do it you know I can go down there and play whatever and talk to anybody you know what I'm saying and and it was cool but um yeah like it's not like because like I do notice too um there's a lot of like for if you want to be an actor in Cincinnati you can do a lot of plays and stuff like that there's a lot of theater and stuff like that but it's not a lot of commercials that's true. That nature. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's more like Columbus, I think. And even then, like, Columbus is not really well known for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think, like, street performing, because I met I met you street performing, because you were at Finley Market. Mm-hmm. I had my camera out. I was just taking pictures or whatever. I think I took some photos of you, and then we set up a photo shoot not too long after that. Yeah. Um, I think street performing is, like, one of the best ways to really see if, or really to, like, get past that like nervousness about playing in front of people and interacting with people because you're playing for strangers who probably don't want to listen to it, you know? So if you can make somebody stop and listen to what you have going on when they're not coming to hear a concert, like that's, that's impressive. And I I mean, every time I saw you playing anything, people stop and like, look, because you don't have the look of somebody that would play violin to begin with. And I like that because you're like kind of showing like, no, you don't have to wear a suit and tie and look like a nerd. You can make, you can play violin, you can play lots of different music. And uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that opens up a lot of doors for a lot of people. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I felt like that too. Like I felt, I, one thing I did notice when I was playing down there, even at a young age, I didn't always even realize it was going on, but I was inspiring a lot of people, you know? Like, if not just to like be more courageous and bold, but like to pick up, you know, their, knock the dust off of their old instrument, you know, start, start playing again. Cause um that was a good thing too. People would come to me and they would be like, "Yo, where are you from? Are you from down here?" I'm like, "Yeah." They were like, "Well, how did you start playing the violin?" You know what I'm saying? Of all things, like the violin. And honestly, I always tell them like it was because my mom. <laughs> it was an after school program, um, at the school I went to in the first grade. Cause I went to kindergarten to school, and then first grade I went to a new school, and then at that time the new school offered violin lessons. So I think when she gave it to me, it was close enough to the guitar I love the guitar that's what I always wanted to play even I never I, I have a guitar now you know what I'm saying I just haven't um tuned it all up and stuff like that but you know it was there from when I get ready but I wanted to play the guitar and it wasn't a guitar but it was close enough I felt like you know if I plucked it I didn't know that you know you don't pluck it like that anyway you can but you pluck it up here but so I was down and I, I think I really liked it which helped me really get to like learn it a lot better so by the time I was like, you know, one year in, I'm already, you know, just, you know, going through books and books and books with my teacher. And then that, that's, that helped me get into SCPA, you know what I'm saying? And then from there, like I had, like, by the time I was playing at Finley Market, I probably knew in my head, like, 
over 500 songs at the age of seven. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's it, crazy it how so when you're young, how that works, too. Mm-hmm. How something just clicks in crazy. your head. And it's cool that you actually play an actual instrument, too, because the type of, the type of music you make right now, I mean, I could be wrong, but a lot of people I know that rap, a lot of people I know that make beats don't know a lot about music, you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these guys are almost like lyricists who enjoy mm-hmm. the sound of music and they can, they can yeah. understand cadence and they can understand, like, you know, what, what beat they need to rap on and everything. But mm-hmm. beyond that, they don't really know much about it. They don't know what goes into making a song. They don't know anything about music theory at all. So to have even mm-hmm. just, like, playing an instrument and playing an instrument that's hard to play you know violin is not an easy instrument i mean Uh, there's a reason that it's expensive to play you know so (laughs) i think i think you you having that like it puts you ahead of the curve like already just because you know what goes into uh making music and you could probably translate that way better into your music do you find that like you like when you're making songs do you find that you use like any sort of uh inspiration from like any like more classical styles or genres at all since you do play violin what I can say I do, because um, I have a lot of music. Like, honestly, I have, like, on, on, on book right now, I have probably about, like, less than 10 songs out. But I've been making music since um, my first year of college. when I started recording, so that was 2015. So five years of just soap, a whole bunch of songs. I only have 10 songs out. But um, what I think um, really the violin and the classical, um, being classically trained did for me was I put a lot of melodies into my music. And I hear a lot of people singing, but a lot of people that don't understand music, that never played an instrument or don't like know how to read music, they don't understand about keys and majors and minors and flats and, um, you know, just things of that nature, you know. So sometimes they sing these songs and they're just not in the right key and it's hard. It's harder to listen to. It's just not musically correct. So that's one thing that I'm really thankful for, like the classical. You'll be surprised even when it comes to hip hop, because I still like it'll just seem like a wrong note to me. I'll just know that it's not in the correct key, you know, when it's just not going the right way. Yeah. Do you make your own beats? you make your own music yourself? Or, like, do you engineer it? Or do you have somebody else do it with you? Um, I do. So I know how to engineer. When I first started making music, I had, um, it was just, like, literally, like, I recorded a song. I had PlayStation, like, some headphones like this. I literally had them in my ear, and I'm playing, and the, the microphone that was connected to the headphones just captured the sound into GarageBand on top of that. So I did that as my first song. And like, I'm the type of person, if I really like something, I'll obs- eventually I'll pretty much obsess over it. It can be pretty much anything, like, you know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what happened. Like, it was just the fact that it was just the violin and I already love playing the violin. So once I had that, once I had like, um, that like, that little, that, you know what I'm saying, project that, you know what I'm saying, I was creating, I was like, yo, like, I could go to the studio and rap on this, or I could just put some little vocals and jazz it up. And it just made me just start making music. Ever since then, I've literally been making music ever since that day. And you know, it it, was just so fun. It's something that everybody has to go through if you're a musician, right? I mean, like, I love music. I've got, I've got the treble clef tattooed on my hand. I mean, I've I've been playing music since I was a kid. I've been in some bands. I played, I play a little bit of piano. I play drums. I play guitar. uh, I sing all that kind of stuff. And I think Mm -hmm. that, struggling with trying to figure out how to do it to begin with like when 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 i first recorded my very first song it was with a, a rock band uh rock band microphone you know that that really it was a rock band microphone that we figured out how to plug into a computer and get it to record and we had a sock over it in a closet and it was like the worst thing ever and it was really i mean the recording was just terrible but then we we just got all these ideas 
uh, about how to make music. And I think that's really cool is to like not have all the tools necessary. You have to be innovative mm-hmm. and, and try to learn what works and what doesn't work. And then when you get something that's yeah. good, like your first real microphone and you hear the difference in it, mm-hmm. man, it's like a whole new universe has opened up. It's pretty cool. For real, like when you bring that piece of equipment home and first you got to figure out how to set it up. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. Like when you first got your first, like, you know, good song and you've been, you just been working, it would be crazy. I'll just listen to it back to back to back to back, you know what I'm saying? Over and over again. And then it got to the point where I was like, like, I was thinking, you know, like, what do I really want to see myself do? Because before I had moved up and left to um Houston, I um, was working for U.S. Bank at call centers. I was actually working from home. I kind of had it made low key, you know. I was um, at the senior banker position, so I was helping new bankers that just didn't, with calls that they, you know, maybe the customer was a little too aggressive, you know, pressuring them, making them feel uncomfortable. They would transfer the calls to me, and I would kind of help them, or I would just take over the call, and they would listen, or, you know, I would just help them take the call. They would go taking other calls from that point on. You know, and I was getting paid pretty decent money, too, but um, I felt something told me that this was the opportunity, like this opportunity like if I took this, then I can, my dreams would still stay alive. But if I stayed, then my dreams would just slowly like kind of wither off and, you know, they just wouldn't be, they wouldn't be happening to the same extent to which I feel like I'm, you know, making it happen now. Yeah, man. That's, a, that's one that, that's a subject that is like always up for debate for me personally, right? Like, is it easier to do your art if you do your art full time as your job? Or is it harder because then it becomes your job? And then if you get a real job to support your art, but then you start getting drawn away from your art because you're working nine to five or nine to ten, you know, right. depending on what job you got, like that's rough. Mm-hmm. That's really hard stuff. I mean, I worked for a Japanese yeah. company and like there were, I did a lot of sponsorship stuff for like marketing and translating and a lot of a lot of random stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I my company I got us in to be able to uh, sponsor the Air Force Marathon and the Flying Pig Marathon in Cincinnati. So every time every month that we had of that, I had to do a whole bunch of testing on all this stuff. And I had to actually go out to the races and set stuff up and be there from, you know, two o'clock in the morning until it was finished. And like all the artistic stuff I was doing would just get put on the back burner over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. So that's pretty cool that you could find something to, uh, like find a way to keep making all that stuff and not have to sacrifice it at all. Do you feel like people don't take you seriously when, when they find out you're from Cincinnati? Like it seems like people kind of make fun of the Midwest. Like they act like it's like nothing happens out here and that like, you know, it's too boring. Everything's full of cornfields and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I do. Sometimes I don't even tell people where I'm from, you know what I'm saying? Unless like, um, they say something like, Oh, I'm from like, you know, Indiana or something. I'm like, oh, for real? I'm from Ohio. Like, you know, Something like that, but nine times out of ten, like I mean, it's not that I'm a, I'm ashamed, but it is something. It, it is something about like Cincinnati, like you know what I'm saying, because you know there's a lot of cities, um, artists like hip hop artists, or you know, because I can't. I mean, there are famous people that came out of Cincinnati, but there's not that many, you know what I'm saying, like you know, renownedly known, you know what I'm saying, celebrities or something like that that came out of Cincinnati, and, and right now people even say like in a city like it's like a curse or like. The Cincinnati curse or whatever it may be. I just think it's um maybe partially ignorance. You know, you you can't you don't know what you don't know. True. You know? And um and they don't even realize like, you know, you come out to Cali like and then like their radio stations, like like the clothing that's that's sold in the stores, like 
there's so many months, if not maybe years ahead of us, and we're in the same place, you know? I find that pretty crazy too. We just don't, we're not, we don't, we're not accessible to the same things, you know what I'm saying, as other places are. So it kind of puts us at a disadvantage. So in order for you really to kind of like, if you're, if you're a musician or artist in Cincinnati, like doing music, even acting, I can't speak for everything because there is a lot of good stuff going in Cincinnati. Like if you're like technical theater, then you're great. You know what I'm saying? There's, you know, build sets, you know, shine lights, you know, learn all everything you need to learn. But if you're a musician, you really got to get out. I mean, luckily, I'm thankfully Atlanta's just, you know, what, like six hours away from Ohio or however many hours it is. Atlanta's a great place. Um, New York, 12 hours, that's a good place. Florida's a great place, you know, and LA's a good place. But Cincinnati, I don't even, I would even say like Detroit's starting to be a good place, but like demographically, I feel like Detroit is worse than Cincinnati, but they're a little more of a faster city. You know what I'm saying? They have more things like, you know, dance clubs and you'll be surprised like how much that can like affect a city. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, Cincinnati, man, it's different for real. Yeah, Cincinnati kind of feels like a, it feels like a place to hone your skills. It feels like a place to get used to like, trying to figure out what you want to do because it's cheap out here. It's not expensive to live out here at all. You know, like you can get, I mean, I've seen places in Cincinnati and Ohio in general, like even Dayton, you know, find apartments for $500 a month that have 600 square feet. It might not be in a great area, but I mean, it's still an apartment for $500. There's no apartments in LA for $500. I mean, you could maybe rent a bedroom for $500 and that's about (laughs) it. You're going to be living with three other people and five cats and dogs, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, because it's so cheap out here, um, I feel like you kind of can get away with like working some jobs that, you know, l- allow you to be more creative in your free time. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, man, there's a cap on like what you can do out here sometimes, you know, like there's you can make a lot of money out here. People make really good money out here. And like for me, like I speak Japanese. So working for Japanese companies is pretty cool out here. It's it's there's not as many, but you know, it's good paying. It's paying it pays better than average, but there's like a limit to how high you can go. And it seems like places like LA, Florida, New York, Atlanta, it's almost like there's no cap on that. Like you can keep going up and up and up and up. And you can here yeah. too, especially if you work for big corporations, but artistically mm-hmm. it's hard to do that out here, I feel like. And this it, it ties into something else too. It's like Partially, it's not what you know, it's who you know, you know? Like, if you got some friends that, like, just know the right person and, you know what I'm saying, and that's just, just what you needed, then it works out, you know what I'm saying? But, um, because it's it's really crazy, you know? I know I know people um that really just didn't have, like, much musical ability. Like, they, like you know, here, I'm sitting right here, you know, I've been taking, I've taken music composition classes, you know, and I majored in um, at CCM for musical composition, you know, just um, rearranging like commercial music, like off of commercials and stuff like that, just little jingles and stuff. And then you have people that come into the industry or, you know, drugged out and not even writing their own lyrics, you know, whatever. They have the image, the face test and whatever. And then they just, you know, now, you know, they have millions of followers on Instagram. So it's not always about like the talent or like who you are as a person or if you're a good person, you know, sometimes it's just about like what's cool at the moment. Man, you, know. you, you hit the nail on the head right there. And like, <laughs> I, I can't speak a lot about the music industry because I know very little about it and I know very specific genres in the music industry better than others, you know? And mm-hmm. like, I'm not a rapper. I've never been really around a lot of rap, but I've got a lot of friends that are rappers that are pretty successful with it, you know? 
And the general consensus that I keep running into, especially when it comes to rap, hip hop um, specifically, is there's a lot of people that are not, I mean, I don't mean to like make, make it sound like all new music is bad because I don't think that's true at all. I think there's a lot of really good people out there, but I think you're right. Especially when it comes to hip hop, it seems like there's a lot of people that are more popping than other people are. And when you listen to their music, you're like, why? Because your cadence right. is off. When like you're when you're rapping, especially it's it's a it's a drum beat with your words, and when mm-hmm. you're be- I mean I'm a drummer, you know when I when I hear that and then they like elongate what they're trying to say and they like speed up their their speech so that they can finish their line before the beat mm-hmm. has to restart, it sounds off to me, and yeah. I've seen a lot of people do that and a lot of stuff. It's almost like the the song doesn't have any point to it. They just rap stuff that sounds good together. They rap blue with who because it rhymes. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and, all it is. Yeah. And I see that a lot. I, I don't know why it's happened so much more in hip hop. I, I I think that happens way. I mean, it happens in country music too. You know, people they pander to anybody at any genre in any genre. But it seems like with hip hop, it seems way more like obvious when that happens. I don't know. I feel like um I feel like probably okay. What happens too is um like for example, let's say like Lil Uzi. We got Lil Uzi. So a person like artist like Lil Uzi comes through and he kicks down the door. And then um, you get somebody like, um, I don't, man, I, I got to say somebody that you probably, I don't know, like just, you get all these clones that are like, basically if Lil Uzi wasn't here, they wouldn't have been here because it wouldn't even have been cool. So they kind of like take his style. And the people that usually make it is the ones that take his style, study it, don't copy him, but just put a little twist onto it and then make somebody new. Yeah. And then that's kind of like, you know, because then it, it passes. But then, you know, maybe like two or three people will kind of squeeze in behind him. And that kind of happens a lot. You know what I'm saying? After every, like a new artist comes through, yeah. you get his clones that kind of come through that may, may or may not stay around for a long time. Yeah. And you but, got um, people that like really changed like a style up, like Migos coming out with like the way that they rap. And then everybody sounds like Migos now. And it's almost like, mm-hmm. well, no, I don't want to say everybody sounds like Migos. But I know what you mean. I'm gonna, though, I'm gonna sound like, like very pretentious when I say this, but I don't mean any but, of that way. But people get mad. But honestly, it's the truth. Like you got you go on music, and you listen to all these new rappers, and they all like have the same flow because they know because like they're just like it's like a lottery ticket. You know what I'm saying? It's like the chances of you probably like winning aren't that good. But if you do win, boy, like you know what I'm saying? So that if is so worth it to them that you know what I'm saying. But they don't really know. Like they don't understand that. Like. I don't know. Sometimes it feels like the mu- the people that put substance in their music don't get the credit that they deserve. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, man. A I lot of people don't like know how to market themselves, too. A lot of people don't realize that whether you're a musician, you're a photographer, mm-hmm. anything you do. I've talked about this in a podcast, too, with the photographer. If you don't market yourself the right way, you could have mm-hmm. art that would be world famous. It's going nowhere. World famous. And it's going nowhere, yeah. Because if, you're, if, 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 if I'm playing classical violin and... I'm taking all my music, you know what I'm saying, to the hood. And I'm wondering like, how come I only got 10 views? Like why, I, you know, I, I, I literally showed it to like 10,000 people. I only got 10 views because all those 10,000 people don't listen to classical music. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah, and good. you can change that. You can make it classical music that somebody in the hood would listen to because you incorporate stuff that they might enjoy with it, which like is like how you- or something. Yeah, and that's yeah. how you popped off on Instagram. I saw a lot of those like viral videos that you were doing a couple of years ago where you're like playing violin and you're, what what songs were you covering? Something by, uh, I can't remember what songs you were covering. Something by The Weeknd oh, or something was, like um, that? It was a YNW Melly song um, with Kanye West, Mixed Personalities. Mm-hmm. That one, yeah, that went viral. 
because I think it was like, it was so much controversy because the dude who made the song was in jail and he was an underground rapper from Florida, Broward County. I got, there's a lot of rappers from Broward County that are alive too, but he was a rapper from there, which is like a pretty, like, um, it's like a lot of violence and whatever. And he just went to jail and then he was underground and then he posted the song with Kanye. So it was just like, oh yeah, so he's finally like made it, you know? He's all the way got his foot in the door, but he's also in jail too. So yeah, you know, people are screaming. Yeah, Y and W Melly, he's he's in jail for he's like not gonna get out, right? Isn't he like didn't he get slapped with like a murder charge or something like that? Like a double murder. But here's the weird thing: like they don't have any evidence to prove that he did it, but he doesn't have any evidence to prove that he didn't do it. So that's why he's still in jail. <laughs> Getting caught up in the system, man. Yeah, yeah it's system. and that's something that's. Uh, it's real weird in the U.S. like how a lot of that stuff works. It seems like uh, as soon as you get arrested, whether you did it or not, the odds are stacked against you as soon as the handcuffs go on, especially if you open your mouth and say a word about anything. If you don't mm-hmm. say, let me talk to a lawyer and that's it, like, man, you're in trouble for sure. Yeah. Um, for real. I mean, luckily we've got I, – I think I think the chances of somebody going to jail for something they didn't do now is like way lower than it ever used to be because we've got yeah. so much that can help out, you know? But it mm-hmm. still exists, which is sucks. I don't know if he did it or not. I don't know much about the case. I just I just heard I can't remember, maybe I read something that said that he was in jail for like a double murder. Um, yeah. But with his friends. Cause you know, a lot of people um are getting out of jail right now. Like if your case like isn't violent or anything like that, you know what I'm saying? So they're letting some people out. But his case is getting held up longer because of the corona and stuff like that too. Yeah, so, I can't yeah. imagine how rough that would be. Like say I don't know, you get picked up for something, I don't know. Even if you did it, but it wasn't a big deal. But having to stay in jail longer because you can't see a judge yet because of coronavirus, so everything takes longer. Right. Man, yeah. that would be, that <laughs> I, would be terrible. And they were saying he got corona too. Like, so you have corona in jail. <laughs> the judge don't even want to see you. That's yeah. That's why I just you know I try to keep my nose clean just because that's a lot. You know what I'm saying? You got to like kind of like know like if you're doing something out here what the consequences possibly could be, you know, even if you don't get in trouble this time, like who's to not say that we'll be like that forever, you know? Yeah. And especially in the line of work you're in right now, like when you're in hip hop, making music in general, I mean, especially with hip hop, it seems like everybody, uh, it used to be, you know, back in the nineties with a lot of the guys that I used to listen to, it was popular, especially if you could prove that you were hard and it Mm -hmm. was all about like who was proven who who could prove who was the hardest, who could not just rap, but like who could actually do what they say they did, you know? Like who actually yeah. had who actually had a drug charge, who actually had like a murder case that got thrown out or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. And now I feel like that's way different. You got people like Lil Xan. I really doubt Lil Xan has ever been caught up in a murder case. I really doubt that a lot of these or I really doubt that like uh like Y2K, <laughs> like all these people that are popping off on the internet, like right. those those dudes aren't yeah. in that stuff at all. But you know what I'm <laughs> but because you're in that field, like the risk is way higher. If you get caught doing something, people are going to assume something about you, not just by how you look or how you talk, but like then they listen to your music. They're like, oh, well, you make hip hop. You definitely did it for sure. So right. I mean, it's like a, you got like more so stuff against you. Because like the internet, man, the internet is so weird. Like all these people, man, it's like the internet can literally make or break you. It can make you rich or it can like clown you, you know what I'm saying? Just like ruin your whole career. Cause you just never know, you know, all these people, you know, saying they're like behind this computer, they don't even know you, but you know, they know about your life or at least what you know, what you've let, you know, become public. So then, you know, all these people have an opinion and they're going to 
comment stuff, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, you got to be like a mentally strong person to, you know, not really let that stuff like affect you all the time. Some yeah. people do though. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. I've talked about that before on the podcast, actually. I mean, um, you know, Rebecca Black, I, I mean, I don't know if the name rings a bell or not, but as soon as I say what video she was in, you probably remember this, a song called Friday. It came out like 2010, uh, 2011. Yeah, see? Yeah, Friday. Now, I don't listen to that kind of music, but I know it, and I know it was the one of, I think it was the most disliked video on the internet ever. And the <laughs> amount of hate somebody gets from stuff like that, I mean, I'm never going to receive that much hate. I, there's no way I'm ever going to get 100,000 comments of hate. If I do, thank you, because I'm definitely going to put ads on that video and make some money off of it. Right, right. But, At least get something back. <laughs> yeah, but you're right, man. Internet will make you or break you, and and that's a lot of hate floating out there. I've been trying to like, I've been trying to respond to comments on anything, you know, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, stuff like that, just so that I'm interacting with people. Cause this is an interactive thing. You know, it's not just me producing something. It's me talking with other people, but I'm trying to mm -hmm. figure out like how to deal with comments that are not so great. You know, people say something bad mm -hmm. about a guest. Usually what I'm doing right now, I'm just deleting it. I'm not even responding yeah. to it. I'm just going to get off of I just, just delete it. I don't want anybody else to respond to it, but I know if this starts to pop off more, I'm going to get that stuff eventually. But just trying to learn to not look at it, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> it's going to be flooded. Eventually, what's going to happen is it's going to be the haters and then the people that support you are going to come and take, you know what I'm saying? They're going to be fighting. <laughs> yeah. It's all funny. I get weird comments now. Sometimes I delete them. It just honestly depends, like, you know, because um, people are always going to hate. You know, people are, I mean, they, you know, the famous saying is, you know, if you ain't got haters and if you got haters and you're doing something right or if you don't you know what i'm saying basically like people just hate just because it's an option yeah if, if they <laughs> weren't hated like they wouldn't hate on you if they didn't know who you were <laughs> so, right you know so at least at least you know who i am right I'm so hate, right <laughs> so going back to cincinnati right so you're a rapper out of cincinnati there's there's some good there's some rappers out of cincinnati i know uh, steven cannon's from cincinnati too right and yeah. you got a song that yeah. came out with him. What was it? Was uh, Witness? Was that you just dropped that not too yeah. long ago? Did yeah, you know him? Did you know him before you went out to LA, or did you meet him in LA? No. Um. So funny story. I met Steve when. So the first time I met Steve, it was at his video shoot, and this was back. Do you remember Jerkin? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. Jerkin, they used to. Yeah. This yeah. Was teach like me how to jerk. Time. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that that whole era. Oh yeah, so we're so talking like two thousand like eight or something like that, right? Yeah, he was rapping back then. He was still a rapper, and he was like, like this was like when he was probably like sixteen, seventeen. He moved out to LA when he was like fresh eighteen. Now he's like, like maybe like a year or two older than me. I'm I'm turning twenty four like um, next week. But um, yeah, so we met at that video shoot, and ever since then, like we just been cool, you know, like so. I was predominantly known. For being a boxer back then i was a fighter um, and i played violin and acted so i wasn't a rapper at that point um but i did write at the time i used my like my creative writing time for like poetry and i made verses too and songs and stuff like that but like i don't know i just didn't take being a rapper serious it was just like at the time i made music is just something i like to do so i made music but as i got older like i said once um, um i had got a little older and started dropping music and people started kind of catching to it. He was like, yo, like you making music, you know? And um, he was like, what? Like, that's so crazy. So then, you know, we got like, um, that was actually our first song we recorded, but now we got way more music, you know what I'm saying? In the vault, we just like, you know, always in the studio. But yeah, so we met like when I had to be like in 2008 and just pretty much stayed in contact ever since then. 
So are you on a label or are you doing all this to independent? So I'm independent. Um, I was working with some people, but like the, really the best, like for, for what I got going on until I'm in that position where it's like um, they can't offer me petty money, you know? Yeah. Like, cause it's no point. Like at this point, I mean, if I'm, if I'm able to survive, you know, I'm not struggling, you know, I can, I'm surviving well on my own and I'm still building. So right now I feel like I'm just building up myself, making myself worth something more. So that way I can go to a, a label right now. They can offer me $10,000 or they can offer me $50,000. But if I had 500,000 followers and all my music was getting, you know what I'm saying? you know, a million, a half a million view plays to a million plays views or whatever it is, then they got to start offering me more serious money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you also get a better deal. Like you, you don't have to like, you know, sell your soul to the devil and like give them the rights to everything necessarily too. Right. I feel like a lot of people do that early on and then they make no money because they don't realize how royalties work. They don't realize they're not really making anything if they don't own it. Right. Exactly. Like they're just really like giving them all that money. So they're making buku bucks off of them. You know, and they just made you happy because they gave you a little fifty thousand or twenty five thousand dollars up front. Because half of these cats probably never seen, you know, ten thousand dollars or twenty five thousand dollars before. So when they seen that, it's like that's to them in their mind, it's life changing money. When twenty five thousand dollars, you can, I mean, you'll spend that in a year. You know, if you're not yeah. working, making any other money, that twenty five thousand will be gone in a year. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, you know, if you if Depending. even if it's like fifty grand, like people live on yeah. fifty grand a year, and that's not that much money at all. You're right. It's not. It's just the sustain the sustainability part of it is like the big part that people don't realize, and I, and maybe that's just because we're not taught it in school a whole lot. Um, depending on what school you went to, also, and maybe it just depends on like where you're from too. Like a lot of people are not from areas where people have that kind of income where they can hold back money. You know, like mm-hmm. um, I've got family that family members that are not from great areas that are from really poor areas, and I gotta say, man, it is expensive to be poor. And what <laughs> I and, and you. And, what I mean is like, all right, the the twenty four pack of toilet paper might cost six bucks, and the twelve pack might cost five bucks. So you know the six dollars is a way better deal, but in Shudo, you don't have six bucks. You got five dollars, right. so you have to spend um, more money on less of a return. And that happens a lot to people that don't have a lot of money. You know, it's cheaper for them to go to Taco Bell and spend a couple dollars off of the cheap menu and get really bad food that's going to make them feel bad than it is for them to go get fresh food. And cook it because they don't have the time to go cook it, or the fresh fresh food might cost them more up front, you know. Yeah. So yeah, and that's I, the crazy part. Yeah, you see these like, people that you know. they get signed on a label or something like that, and they immediately just like go buy cars, homes, chains, and stuff like that. It's crazy. Yeah, bro, that's like just the first thing, you know. It's wasting all that money. I don't know. I felt like if I was really giving some money because I feel like um, really and truly, um. Back in like 2014, like I was a boxer, but my dad had went to jail. So if my dad hadn't went to jail, I would be a professional boxer right now because he was a, he was my trainer. So when he got went to jail, he went to jail for like five years. My brother, he's just now. So he, he my brother would have been in the NFL. I would have been a professional boxer. He was playing D2 because of his grades. He couldn't play D1. But he was number one in the city for, in Ohio. Well, he was number one in the state of Ohio for tackles. Okay. He went to um, um, Wyoming High School, if you heard of that. It's a little up, up north. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's the beast. He's huge. Like, you know what I'm saying? Completely yeah. D1 material. You know what I'm saying? But it was just like that motivation. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I don't know, because part of it, since I knew I was boxing for him. But yeah, so when that happened, it made me tap back into my music and, you know, 
kind of life because when he because yeah it was just crazy you know because I went from you know boxing like kind of not taking it serious and all of a sudden like I'm on national tournaments and at one point I was number one in the country for 123 pounds you know for certain tournaments I, I won the Arnold and stuff like that and golden gloves but yeah man it was just um I forget why I said that but um you know what I'm saying? Life can really, it can change. You know what I'm saying? One avenue goes this way and then one avenue, you know, you're going back this way. But yeah, my brother, he actually just called me the other day and he's trying to get back playing NCAA football, you know, but there's so many requirements. You know, they have all these stipulations and stuff like that too. So we got this podcast that's coming out soon. I know I, I know I sent you the link to it, Vavilon clothing, that, that guy's clothing line. Do you take a look at that mm-hmm. at all? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so yeah, he's got he, he's got this new line that's dropping out um, tomorrow, actually, called Butterfly Effect. And he was talking mm-hmm. about how on the podcast on the podcast he was talking about how one little thing that happened in his childhood, which was hanging out with me and like a bunch of our friends, changed his direction in life so drastically that now he's doing something big. You know, some butterfly effect. You know, mm-hmm. butterfly flaps its wings and then like a country explodes a thousand years later. So uh, <laughs> that's crazy how that happens. Though. I mean, if I I probably wouldn't be here if I didn't go to one house party, I would not have met my wife, you know, and we're about to have a child now. And I went to this Mm -hmm. house party with my ex-girlfriend and met my wife. Right. Oh, wow. And my girlfriend and I, we split up and then my wife added me on Facebook and like, Mm -hmm. apparently she kept trying to add me on Facebook, but I was dating somebody else. So like, I never paid attention to it, you know, but I'm single Mm -hmm. now. I'm like, yeah, all right, cool. And then we started talking. One thing led to another and now we're married. We're having a kid in April. Right. Fast forward. <laughs> yeah, and I almost didn't go to that party because it was a party. I was like, man, I don't want – because I was older. I mean, I'm 28 right now. I feel old, but I also don't feel old. 28 is not that old. But uh, I would Honestly, I would have never guessed that you were 28, though. Yeah. That's kind of actually very shocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm 28. So uh, yeah, I graduated high school 2009. So I, I've, been, I've been out of school for like 11 years. Um, and uh, yeah, this party, I remember it was at a high school kid's house. Like she was – the girl I was dating at the time, she was like 19 or 20, and I think I was like 21 maybe, and she was going mm-hmm. to a, a party with some kid that was like 17, and like I'm 21, 21 to 17 is a big difference, Yeah. and I mean, I was like, man, this feels real weird, I don't want to go to a high school party, I'm like 21 years old, but mm-hmm. I went, I met my wife there, my wife's only like two years younger than me, so it kind of mm-hmm. worked out, but yeah, that's crazy how that stuff happens. No, for real, that's that's even crazier, you know what I'm saying, because you, you met your, yeah, with the ex at the party, that's... Mm-hmm. That's that's the luck of the draw right there, but ain't no telling. Like, yeah, that one, that one, yeah, that's crazy. Just how, like, like I said, one thing can change your whole life. I've been li- I was listening to a bunch of your music before I called you, so I I, I looked up. Uh, I mean, I've got you on Spotify already. Like, I already follow you on Spotify. So like, right. I've heard. I remember like when when you dropped up. I remember you had was something called Condo or something like that. You had up for a while. I don't, yeah, Condo. But I got a question about your sound. So what's up? Talking to you, right? Mm-hmm. You're like real laid back. It seems like you're real chill, real calm. But some of your music seems like way more aggressive, right? Uh-huh. Do you, and not violent, but just like more aggressive and more like in your face, right? Mm-hmm. Are you like that when you're making music because that's what you feel and you just hold back? Or is or is this like an alter ego type thing where you're like you wish you could act, act this way sometimes, but like you wouldn't actually do that because you're, you're too nice of a person? I think um, when I I was a really like cool chill kid you know what i'm saying i was put i feel like in situations that kind of like made me you know what i'm saying get like that but the thing about it is it's like overall i'm a really chill person you know what i'm saying i can i can talk to anybody 
but it's like I have different aspects and sides to me because of situation. So, you know, I can bring out a more, you know what I'm saying, crazier side. Like most of the time, like in the music, yeah, I get to turn up like that because I'm such a controlled person. I like to control my, like, I feel like even fighting like that kind of helped me. Like so most people, they'll start boxing, but I'm gonna kick, you know, beat everybody ass. Anybody gives me problems, but you know, with fighting and me, it kind of made me be like, I shouldn't fight because <laughs> I'm gonna hurt this dude. Like I already know, I already know it's going down. Like not even because you know a lot of people are like, oh I don't want to fight you because I don't want to hurt you. Like no, like for real, I don't want to fight you because I don't want to assault you, and then you want to sue me, you know, and then it changes everything else. But yeah, it's just like that. That um, that that it's just like that moment. You know, it's a time and place for everything. You know what I'm saying? And if I I can't really just walk down the street and scream, you know, I'm gonna look like a crazy person. But if I'm in the studio, like, you know what I'm saying? That's my time, like, to really get that off. That's kind of how it was with boxing, too. Cause um, I would invite, like, my teachers. Like, I had a chemistry AP teacher that I invited to um, one of my Golden Gloves matches. And he came and he was like, man, like, you know, you come in and you're so respectful and you, you know, you, you know, you speak proper, like, you know what I'm saying? Proper English and, you know what I'm saying? You just seem like a good kid. But when you get in the ring and fight, you fight like, you know what I'm saying? You're trying to hurt somebody, you know? You're wild throwing, you know what I'm saying? Overhand rights and following back up with left hooks and, you know what I'm saying? Pushing people and stuff like that just because like, I mean, that's just the environment, you know what I'm saying? That kind of, that I grew up into in a certain extent. Like I was fighting at the hub a lot. And uh, when I first, I mean, I came from fighting at this nice little cool gym, which I was like, kind of like pretty, I was pretty much the, you know, the best at. But, um, and I, I, I would teach people to then coming to this other gym with pros and you know ranked amateur fighters and stuff like that. Like even if you fell on the ground, they're still punching at your face. You know what I'm saying? You're down on the ground during sparring and they're still hitting you or they done hit you, you know, two inches above your nuts or something like that. Like, you know, they don't care. So put you in like to like a different atmosphere. Sometimes I can kind of like tap into that, you know, because I, I I do notice that's what some people do, like even like um like just say example for like Jay-Z, you know, he'll rap about stuff about like you know, drug dealing and stuff like that when he's a billionaire. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's not, you know, slanging you know, dope or nothing like that anymore. But when he's rapping, he's talking about those instances and times, you know what I'm saying, when he did have to do that, you know what I'm saying, in a way that he doesn't have to worry about putting himself in jail or, you know what I'm saying, all that extent. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And then that's the perfect, that, that's pretty much what I thought you were going to say. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I wanted to hear from you anyways, you know. I think uh, people don't realize like just because you have a uh, personality when you're on stage or in your music, that's not who you are all the time, too. I mean, I used to love fighting. I used to I used to love like the adrenaline rush. I used to love getting out all the frustration and everything. But as I got older, as I got bigger, as I got stronger, I realized like you can really damage somebody. You can do some really big damage, especially with kicks with you know grapple even grappling you can really mess somebody up and it's not worth it most of the time that i got in fist fights over anything it was stupid it was never like because i'm stopping a bank robber it was always because some dude said something to me i said something back and then he got in my face Uh half the time i fought somebody i didn't know who they were you know i could have just walked away so that's interesting that what you're saying you know like try not to hurt anybody i'm sure that you could probably do a whole lot more damage to somebody than i could but like getting older and realizing like know, no, it's not worth it at all you know it's, like it's really not yeah i had a couple of instances like what really like what made me like i mean because i realized that people they not fighting no more and that's what made me get like my ccws and i start like carrying like basic toting pistols and shit like that but when i got a gun pulled out on me you know what i'm saying it was it was if it was at first it was all just 
fight. It, it, we didn't even get the fight yet. You know what I'm saying? It was just talking. We were talking about fight, and he wanted to go around to like a little sketchy place. And I'm like, well, why we gotta do that when, when I'm right here? You know, like I'm not. We ain't even gotta walk nowhere. Like you know what I'm saying? I'll whip your ass right here. So, and he just gave me this look, super tatted, face tatted. He just gave me this look. Like, I was like, man, why are you looking at me like that? And just walked off. I'm like, you know, came back. You know what I'm saying with a nine. So I was like, oh man, you know what I'm saying? Thinking like, how am I getting myself out of this one without getting my nose blown off? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's and then that's when like, I mean, because I would fight, bar fights, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that too. But that's when it kind of really hit me. I was like, yo, like, yeah, these these cats, they're not fighting anymore. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's a different time and age, you know, the, the fighting and going out and leaving it out, you know, after the fighting and being cool and shaking hands, like that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, man. People it, it seems like uh if you're in the wrong place or just around the wrong person, like a fight, they would usually end in a hit handshake and you just walk away. Maybe not a handshake, maybe just like a, a fuck you and then walk away. Right. Yeah. Uh, now <laughs> people come back with a gun. Talking about those viral videos you used to have, you used to have a lot, you used to, you used to have a handful of viral videos of you like playing violin and like you had, I mean, something where some dude asked you about weed, like some little kid, which is kind of funny, uh, but you yeah. can't really replicate that one. I'm curious. Are you, you plan on making anything like that anytime soon again, you know, like once Corona lifts where you can have some more people together, like getting together and making, remaking like a violin kind of thing. So my plan actually, um, I, I did want to talk about that too. So, um, come in December, kind of like going, going into the new year, I'm going to be like, so I got, I just ordered the new iPhone 12 as a, as a bit, as a bit means of business. Um, so I can start taking these videos of me doing like, um, just like, this is going to be like random things like, hey, I might be with my cat. I got a, you know, a little backwood. I hit the backwood, take a sip of a drink, and then I just start playing a cover to a song. And it'll be about 30 seconds. It'll be like, hey, I'm back again. You know what I'm saying? Here's your 30 seconds of music for the day, you know? Kind of making like that a thing, you know? And then I'm, I had, like, you know, a couple of viral videos where I had girls, you know, dancing too. You know, I might incorporate that because as I go up on the charts, more people are going to want to make videos. So there might be aspiring models that see that, okay, I'm getting, you know, a couple thousand views on every video that I do. They want to be in my video, get their little half, you know, maybe they might draw some people in. It's a give and take kind of thing, you know, because anytime I post somebody on my platform, um, they'll get a few followers, if not a lot, it depends on who you are, you know what I'm saying? Because I got, so I got a lot of, you know, you know, musicians and rappers, you know, if you're a video guy and I, and I post a good video that you did, you're gonna have a lot of rappers following you. If you're just like one of the bros and I post you, you may have a whole bunch of girls follow you. There's something to that extent. But um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be posting like a whole bunch of like um, covers and just me just melodizing on with some music, like just random stuff like that for like, you know, all of December going into 2021. Yeah, I got I got a request for you if you make a, if you start making those videos where you do covers. Uh-huh. This is a really hard song, man. I mean, I know you're good at violin. I don't know if you'll be able to play this because this is something where like even guitar players who've been playing a long time like have trouble with this. There's okay. this song called Goat, G-O-A-T, uh-huh. by Polyphia, P-O-L-Y-P-H-I-A. These dudes, they do math rock, so it's like music theory rock, but incorporated Ooh. with hip hop and like other stuff too. Cause I, I I've always tried cause it's kind of easy. Um, cause like if you like look at like guitar music, you can kind of figure out the melody cause they have all those chords. But if you kind of like, or if you just look at the top line of the chord, all right, cool. Then maybe then play like the middle line, and then play that, and then kind of put it all together. Because you know violin, 
we can play chords, but our chords are so much different compared to like a guitar. Cause you know, we have the bow. So we might play like two open strings, one finger on one string, and then maybe one more that, like that's like the extent to our chords. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like, you know, guitarists, they have a much more difficult job. I feel like playing chords and violin. Like that's our, our difficult is probably like, we have a different difficult than guitar. That's what I'm trying to say, you know? I feel like when you compare early violin players with early guitar players, early guitar players play a whole lot faster than early violinists do. I feel like yeah. the actual act of playing violin is difficult. And then the fact that you, there's no such thing as tab for violin. Like you got to learn how to read music. Like there's no ultimate violin.com oh, yeah. <laughs> or anything like that where you can just like, oh, no. put your finger right here. And you don't have frets too, right? On viol- There's no frets on a violin. So what exactly is the fret? Like, um, like the lion's... Um, through the neck where oh, you no. position your fingers. No. So you just have to know where it is and be able to hear yeah. it. Um, yeah. Whereas guitarists, you kind of have you kind of have to do the same thing also, but if you're staring at your fingers, you know exactly where yeah. you're supposed to be. They even have you dots on the neck the so you can see like, where it's at. Yeah. See, when, we, when you first start, um, your teacher, depending on where you go, most of the time, they'll tape your violin. Because like, this is like the sign for violin. Like This is how we hold our fingers. Okay. So it's like, the, you know what I'm saying? The first one right here, and then the two right here are close. And then unless it's like in a different key, then, you know, you have to move accordingly. But if it's like no no sharps, that's that's your sign. That's how you're holding it. But yeah, so usually it's like tape. They got four things of tape. And um, man, I got a little rusty because, you know, I haven't been learning, been practicing my third position. So now I need to go buy some tape just so I can um, reteach myself third position because I tried to do it the other day and I couldn't um, because, you know, it's just it just seems like a, you know, when you're looking at that fingerboard with no tape, it just looks so long. You got to figure out the right place to place your um, when you you switch positions Mm because you're just basically like taking if I do first, this is first position, second position, third position and fourth position. So so if I want to play third position, I'm taking this first finger and putting it where the third finger would be and then going going forth. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be difficult to do for sure. I feel like a guitar is a lot more natural, like a lot easier to like play a note for sure. I definitely I definitely agree because you're down here, you know what I'm saying. I would love it, you know what I'm saying. If I was down here, it would have its more difficult parts. But up here, even the whole mechanics, you know, your arm is gonna get tired mm-hmm. going back and forth. It's just not like that natural of a movement. It's all very rehearsed and learned. What's the what are the strings like what is it what are they tuned to on a violin because on guitar it goes uh e a d g b a i'm sorry e a d g b e e a d g and then b e yeah for guitar it's it's exact same thing for violin but we don't have the last two strings so it goes from the deepest string is g then it's d then a and e okay so yeah yeah that's kind of close to it yeah. yeah, pretty. Much. I think it's the exact same. Just like you have two extra, okay, in the back that you don't have. Okay, yeah, man, that's, that's pretty cool. Total. Is what was that? Yeah, we, we got, got six, six to- strings total. Yeah, six strings total. Yeah, we got four. So that's dope. And I'm pretty sure you guys read treble clef too. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why, like, the strings are the layout is like that. You just have a more variety of notes to play. Sorry. One last thing I want to ask you about before I let you go. So. Okay. Um, this is something I'm pretty new to is like working out, right? I've only been working out Mm -hmm. for the past like year or so, but like, I've got a lot bigger, right? I mean, I got fat. I got real fat. I'm, I'm six foot. I'm not short. And I was Uh like 240 pounds almost last year. 
Okay, yeah, then, so you were pretty big. Yeah, I was pretty side. big. Yeah, and then I dropped down. Now I'm 210, but I'm still, oh, I yeah. mean, I'm still larger. But, I mean, I dropped 30 pounds and packed on a bunch of muscle, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, nah, you look good, though, Doc. Thanks, man. So I've been doing a lot of, like, high-intensity interval training stuff with, like, really, really heavy weights, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, anything from, like, uh, like, a circuit of, like, five workouts could be, like, tricep pull-downs, seated bench press, dumbbell workout also. And then like uh, maybe some like uh, calisthenics, like some jumping jacks or like some push-ups or whatever. What kind of workouts? What are you like go-to workouts when you're trying to get, um, just trying to get a real good workout in? What's your like favorite thing yeah. to do? My go-to. So first thing I do as soon as I go in, I stretch. I take like a five-pound weight, and I, I, my arms are straight down when I'm doing this, but I'm just taking the weight and going like this, because from boxing, man, my shoulders got so much wear and tear. Like literally every time I wake up in the morning. My shoulders and my knees. That's like my, my main. That's what I know I'm going to have issues with when I got older. I think it's from boxing, though, like throwing really hard punches. Yeah. And um, the knees. I used to play basketball and I used to dive a lot. But I don't know. I'm going to start. But, um, but yeah, I go in and I once I do that stretch, I, I do pull-ups. Okay. Because, so a lot um, of body workout? Yeah. So that's the first thing. The reason why I do that is because when I used to box, the first thing they used to do, as soon as we came in, boom, run three, four miles. Sometimes it would be six because we would run all the way from downtown up Sycamore Hill into Clifton, run all the way up to Clifton, and then take some hill back down, and then we're back down downtown. But it was a little bit more complicated than that. But that's pretty much the the simplest, you know, way to put it. But it was far. It was really far. And then as soon as we came back, we would do this um, pull-up drill, start off at number 10, and then 9, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. But as we're doing that, we do 10 pull-ups. Then we go down and do 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups. Then we do nine pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups, and uh, eight pull-ups. I see what you're saying, yeah. So well, then that, we that, that would equal 100, right? Because if you start with one, go up to 10, and go back down, that's 100. Yeah. So I never – actually, I would never even count. It would just be so much that I would just be <laughs> trying to get through it. Yeah. <laughs> but what I really found out now, it's about, like, your diet, like, it's like your diet is just important as like with the workouts that you're doing too. But like what you said about diet is so true because my diet is trash, especially now that my wife is pregnant because all oh, yeah. she wants is Arby's, Wendy's, ta- she wants <laughs> crappy, terrible food. And that's my favorite food. That's my favorite thing to eat. So it's been so hard. I mean, I shouldn't complain. I could probably eat better if I, I could order a salad if I want to, but I'm not going to go to drive through and order a salad. Yeah. I'm going to order something bad. So right. I've kind of kept this weird balance where like I can look at myself in the mirror and compare myself from like last year to now, and I could see like my stomach is a lot smaller, my chest is bigger, my arms are way bigger. Yeah. But like I could see, I'm not where I should be for how much effort I'm putting into this. And, I'm about uh, to say, if you want some advice on that, I got just the thing. We keep going. What are you about to say? Uh, I, I think that it's almost like backtracking. If you can't keep your diet up with how much you're working out, then all that effort you're doing working out is just making you tired. It's not really helping you out as much. Honestly. And I'm not trying yeah. to be a strong man. So, like, I'm not going to yeah. eat 5,000 calories every meal right. and do, you know, 500-pound you know, dumbbells <laughs> or whatever. So, Yeah, just to be walking on the street, you know, can't even fit your shirt no more. Yeah. <laughs> I come through, I don't even recognize you anymore. Like, yeah. you can't even take the camera out your bag. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But um, what, um, what I got really hip to, if I knew this back when I boxed, I would be champion of the world right now. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Seriously. Um. My dad got me hit to these shakes um, with sulfuric vegetables. And basically, he just told me it was like kale and um, red char leaves, which is beet leaves and like 
they're just like cancer fighting vegetables things that you put in your body, they clean your blood and everything like that too. So it just, just more than just gives you, you know, the, the vegetables, it does a lot. So I will make these shakes. Um, I'll put spinach, kale, red char leaves, um, honey, um, some other type of really, really good vegetable. And I would just load it up with a whole bunch of fruit. So that way it kind of mass evens it out, you know? Yeah. And um, I would drink one pretty much basically after I worked out, you know what I'm saying? And then I would just try to try to, if I, three a day, that would be a great day. Um, one a day after a workout is enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I would drink those. Too, keep you man. full longer too, I imagine? When I first drink it, you'll get full for it. So it'll keep you. So say you're, you're hungry. You wake up in the morning for breakfast. You know, you're super hungry. You drink one of these shakes. You're going to be satisfied. Yeah. You're going to be satisfied until like you get like whatever you get to go in and then you start like, you know, working. But you're also going to have energy too. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be real, real clean, good energy. And, um, it's going to make your stomach just like honestly kind of disappear. Man, know? I'm going to have to try that out for real. I'm going to send you the recipe. Well, you're going to send me the recipe? All right, cool. I appreciate yeah, that. I'm going to send you like the full recipe of everything to get. Man, I appreciate yeah. that for real. Now that we come towards the end of this, man, I know you want to plug what you got going on. You know, why don't, why don't you tell me like uh, where people can find you? Like if they want to contact you for something, if they want to listen to music, where yeah. are you at? What, what are you doing? you need me for any violin or music or anything at all you can look find me on every single platform at too much peso yep the number two much and p-e-s-o too much peso every single platform um you know music apple music um spotify twitter instagram even you know what i'm saying even facebook you'll find me every every single place Perfect. What's the name? What's the meaning behind that? By the way, I mean too much peso. You talking about you're, you're gonna make so much money that you have too much of it, or what? Why do you call yourself just, too much peso? So I like the name because it was like um, because in um, other languages their money means weight. So too much weight, it can be te- determined for like you know a couple of different things. So it's just too much. We got too much. You know, we're doing too much. I felt like I was kind of like I'm a, I'm a really honestly over the top person. People honestly always tell me like you do too much. So it kind of just it kind of just fit, you know, like, when I, I'll tell you real quick. Um, when I first started making music, um, my name was Tommy Smoke because my middle name is Tommy, like Thomas. So Tommy, that's okay. how I got the Tommy and then smoke just because I was, you know, I like to smoke weed, you know, <laughs> okay. so then I changed it to Tommy Peso. You know, that was kind of my name. So people was going back from calling me T Peso and T Smoke. Like, yo, like it was kind of like a little um, alter ego I kind of had, you know what I'm saying? Like. Some people be like, oh, that sounds like T-Smoke was on this song and T-Peso was on this song. So finally, like, I felt like those names were cool, but I needed something like like my final form almost to a certain extent, you know? And I do also like like Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. So I felt like I need to come to my final form. What's my final form? Yeah. And I was like, too much peso. Like, it gave me like this feel like, you know, how like YNW Melly? Yeah. Like, that's what the too much is. The too much is just like, like the name... Of, of of like the group, yeah, kind of in a sense, and then me, I'm peso, you know what I'm saying? Break on okay. peso, so it's too much peso. All right, man, that works. Hey, I appreciate you talking with me today, dude. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, have a good rest of your day, man. All right, man. Talk soon. See ya.
And that is the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. And don't forget, new episodes drop every Monday and Friday, so make sure you subscribe, like, follow, do whatever you have to do to keep these episodes coming up on your phone because I've got a lot of interesting guests coming up. It's going to be a fun time. If you want to listen to Too Much Peso's music, check out his Instagram and all that. I've got all the links in the description, so be sure to check that out. Just as a heads up, I have figured out a way to record audio a little bit better than what it's been before. I think it's acceptable right now, but uh, definitely not where I want it to be. So I've tested out a couple different ideas and uh, you're going to be getting some more crisp, higher quality audio in the near future. So look forward to that where uh, you're going to be able to hear it like we're both in a studio, even though we're still recording over the internet with a lot of people. Thanks again and uh, we'll see you next time.